Hello, this is Ron, a podcast with me, Murray, and each show I'll have a guest on to tell their tales of gay dating BG before Grinder. From coming out to dating and finding love in an age before the smartphone, we'll have stories of cottaging, cruising and clubbing. The best date, the worst date, the weirdest and the one that got away. Join us as we talk and laugh about shagging in the 60s, sex in the 70s and being naughty in the 90s. I don't know what we did in the 80s, I don't think anybody had sex in the 80s. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Romp Podcast. In this episode we're talking to Mark. I mean I say this episode, in the next three episodes we're talking to Mark because I started to record it and... Well, as you'll hear, I I was laughing throughout and I actually couldn't get a word in edgeways and there's been absolutely no place at all that I've been able to make any kind of edit. And I just thought it's such a great story, it is his life story, that there is just no point in in editing it really. And two and a half hours later, um, we, we finished. So I've broken it down into three parts. Now, Mark is originally from Grimsby, as he'll tell you. Um, but this this first part kind of covers the the 80s in the main really I think he's 55 years old and left home at 16 um, as you'll hear Uh, started off in Grimsby as we said uh, in this episode we'll go to Hackney, Brighton, Leicester, Sheffield and then we'll be just moving to Japan as episode 2 starts now be warned there is a lot And I mean a lot of swearing from the start. So, you know, nervous disposition and all that. Probably not worth listening to. Um, But the F word will be used rather rather a lot. And the sex and the drug use is rather explicit. So, sit back and relax, as they say. And if you're in the car with the children, perhaps, uh, perhaps turn it off. This podcast contains adult themes, so those of a nervous disposition should turn off now. Okay, so you've decided to stay with us. So my first question to Mark was, tell us a bit about yourself and when you first came out and where it was that you were living. It was Grimsby and it was as grim as fuck. And Exactly. I only, I had the good fortune to, at the age of 13, to start shagging my cousin. (laughs) Um, Are you all right putting this in a podcast? This is not incest, technically, well, because he was adopted. Oh, well, there you go. This is a no-blood relation, then. There's no, no, no blood, blood relation. And it's not as if you were going to have children or anything, is it? No, I mean, no. it was... You know, and I think, genetically, he'd come from a very swarthy line because he was absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, where I was podgy and non-athletic, and he was one of those athletic boy so i was getting the better deal and also he was hung like a fucking donkey i mean one day you know puberty happened and i'd gone round for a little play and it was like oh my god it's grown and grown and grown it's like jack and the beanstalk and <laughs> of course it kind of it. spoiled me really because once you go big you can't go back and after, you know, after Chris, I kept kind of looking at other ones and thinking, well, it doesn't Not really same, kind of measure up, does it? Really, was um, it that big? So Not that I we're all very, size very, queens. I'm a size queen. We're I all are, very, very, really? And he was swarthy, you know. 
And I've always been attracted to the kind of the hint of a tint kind of guy, a swarthy guy. And it was very, very convenient because, you know, when his parents went out, he'd ring me up and say, would you like to come round? Mm -hmm. And, of course, it was the next street. So I really didn't even have to kind of, you know, exert myself too much. And I would go round and we'd have a shag and it'd all be very nice. And that continued from 13 right up um, until 16 when I got thrown out. So how? Let's, uh, before we go there, let's let's set a few scenes. How old are you now? Were you 50? 55. 55. So this is the um, early 80s. Early 80s. Right. So, and so, so you know, AIDS, AIDS was swirling around and I was shagging yeah. my cousin. And he, you know, he he was kind of it's like, in, what do they call it in prison when it's kind of situated homosexuality? He wasn't gay, right? But he just liked his cock being sucked. Yes, and and you, you know, were him fucking pleased. somebody, and I, it was very convenient yeah. that I liked sucking cock and getting fucked um, at the age of thirteen. Uh? at the age of thirteen. Yeah. How did you know that you were gay at that point? Well, it was a combination of the man from Atlantis watching <laughs> Patrick, the flagellic... Patrick Duffy with his, with his webbed Duffy hands and the feet. flagellic action. And then kind of watching one Christmas. I was watching Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And there's Howard Keel. Wow. And they all went charging into the town to kidnap a girl. And then they all got their girl and they're all rushing back and there's an avalanche. And I was thinking, you lucky bitches being locked up in a log cabin with Howard Keel for seven months getting banged senseless. I wanted to be one of those girls. And then I watched Little Women and I couldn't for the life of me understand why she didn't want to marry her handsome neighbour and become a wife. Why the fuck did she want to go to New York and write when she could have been shagged by... Mr. Jones or whoever it was, the handsome neighbour. So it kind of, mm. I kind of knew from watching telly yes. that, you know, I was more interested in boy bits than I was in girl bits. Brilliant stuff. And did you remember, t uh, I always love, it was always Top of the Pops that I always had crushes on and it was people like Tight Fit and Leaf Garrett were uh, around about those times. Or Emily. So, yeah, you see, but again, I always kind of used to go for the... The kind of the butch, very hairy oh, okay. kind of you know the straight man look. Yeah, Leaf Garrett always a bit femme. It was. He had, well, he had the long, long hair, didn't he? Yeah, long hair. So we didn't really do it. Um, you know, I wanted to be tossed over the shoulder and and you know carried off into the on the back of a horse and ragged. You know, fucked ragged till I couldn't <laughs> walk anymore. Um, that was my fantasy. And Christopher, I mean, like I say, he had a nine and a half inch cock. So it was just kind of like, I've struck lucky. Mm -hmm. I've struck, because after that, it was just it'd been a, quite a series of disappointments, really, because you kind of think, oh, dear. Um, so I was shagging Chris up until I got thrown out at 16. Yeah, so you just, you just said got thrown out thrown out home yeah why 
because I came out. Really? I decided it would, rather wrongly, I decided it would be a good idea to declare to the world Da-da. that I was homosexual. In 1982 um, or something, you decided just to tell the world at the age of 16. Well, I decided to tell my dad first. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's you know, the, it was the it world. Wasn't, I wasn't doing Barbra Streisand going down the streets singing, you know, don't rain on my parade. Um, and he said, you better go and tell your mother. And it's like, oh, God, do I have to? Now, my yeah, mother he, was a cat. You wanted him to know. do that, surely. Uh, so I went and told her, and she was lying prostrate on the bed, having her afternoon siesta. And, you know, I mean, I was supposed to be the dramatic one. And she said, oh, my God, I haven't got a son. I've got two daughters. What will the neighbours say? Get out of my house. I thought you'd stolen my thunder, bitch. (laughs) I was, this is my, this is my moment. So I picked up my toothbrush and rather dramatically flounced out the house. And I thought, now what what do I do? Um, All I've got is a toothbrush. So I walked to my friend Vicky's house because I'd kind of, I'd kind of, um, worded Vicky up that mm-hmm. this might be happening. Yeah. I thought it was like it was like a postule. It was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And I was just about to explode. And I thought I can't keep this in any much longer. I've got to tell the world who I am. I mean, it didn't help that I was watching musicals like Mame and you know, all those kinds of things, and thought my life was a musical. <laughs> so I ended up at Vicky's house with her mum, and then the phone went, and it was my father. So I, I don't know how the fuck he'd track me down, but he had. And he said, um, we're coming to pick you up. Wow. And it's like, I don't want to be picked up. I want to stay here. You've thrown me out. You can't take me back. So they picked me up and took me back and then sat me down. And then the question started, have you had sex with a boy? So I said, no, and lied. Mm -hmm. And then have you had sex with a girl? And I said, yes, which of course was a lie. I I haven't. I've never seen a fanny in real life. I wouldn't know what one looked like now if it hit me on the head. Um, And then he said to me, are you a queen? A queen? And I thought, oh, well, I, 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 don't, I don't, know, don't know what a queen is. But I could tell by the look on his face, whatever it was, I better not be one. So I said, no, no, I'm not a queen. Um, thinking, what's a queen? And how does he know the vocabulary? And I only kind of thought much later, well, what's in the dog comes out in the pots. <laughs> and I spoke to my Auntie Margaret, and she said he used to go down to London. Now, how many straight men after the war, would go down to the London to watch ballet and opera. And he used to tell the story of being at the final performance when Ivan Novello died and some woman sang Fly Home, Little Bird. My dad was an opera queen. He was going out cottaging wow. in fucking Piccadilly Circus. He knew the vocab. I didn't know what a queen was. He did. Anyway, they said, you've got to go. So I said, you can't do this to me twice. This is the second time. You've already thrown me out once. What is going on? So 
I managed to kind of gather a few more of my belongings. And did you then put them all in a in a spotted handkerchief and a cane? Was it that kind of? Well, I I did feel a little bit like Dick Whittington (laughs) because I thought, well, off to London I go, slap my thigh, let's see what happens. And I had a friend who had I was at art school with who was a punk who had left and gone down and was squatted in Hackney. Wow. And I'd got I'd got the address, so somehow I ended up in Hackney. In because you weren't, because you, you know, I just you said phone, so actually that was a landline. They were ringing someone else. <clears throat> you couldn't get in touch yeah. with anyone without, especially a squat didn't have no. a landline, did it? So you just had squat to turn. Didn't up. even have any windows. <laughs> so you just had to turn up on the door. And... So I just turned upon the door. Yeah. I had this scrappy piece of paper, and I turned upon the door, and I thought, please. Please, please, please let this be the right house. Because yes. Hackney in the 1980s, a little white boy is, you know, it yeah. was not the place really, you know, to kind of hang out. Um, and I thought, please, please, please let be let, let Three Gunton Road be the place that Jean lives and she's still there. Anyway, this guy opened the door and let me in and it was Jean's squat so I just shared Jean's bedroom but there was no fucking windows in the back of the house so it was as cold as the witch's tit in the winters in the winters in the winter months so yeah. how long I used there, to then, go so? out and do survival sex <laughs> just so I'd go out a warm bed for the night yeah I'd mm. go out to heaven yeah um uh, with the intent of getting picked up, going back mm. to their house, getting something to eat and a shower and being warm. And I thought, actually, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I thought, here I am, 16, gorgeous, young, twink, in London. Everybody wants to fuck me. Um, I'm having all this sex. And, you know, I could be in Grimsby doing A-levels. And I'm not. Hurrah <laughs> for me. You know, this is wonderful. Yeah. After six months of that, I kind of got a bit bored. Um, I mean, there's only so much cock you can take, really. Especially when um, they're smaller than they used to. And, well, it is if it's in a squat and there's no fucking windows. Everything is fucking shrinks. <laughs> um, so I decided to... Someone told me that the place to be was Brighton. Mm, yes. That Brighton was the gay capital of England. Mm. And I was kind of getting a little bit over, running up and down Hackney, trying to get from one place to another quickly so not to be seen. So I decamped down to Brighton, was where a lesbian friend of mine was in. It wasn't social housing, but it was kind of like housing complex for vulnerable people. Mm. Um, and there was like a part, not like a part, I don't know what it was, it was like a house that was split up. So one level was the lesbian level, and then the other level was the gay men's level. And the third level was all the crazy level. There was someone called Skyron, the fucking, oh God, he was mad as a bag of frogs. Uh, He used to go down to the sea to energize when like the fucking waves are crashing over you know where no one goes down they say avoid it's dangerous no he would go down to re-energize then come back and write poetry with a stanley knife into the fucking 
kitchen table. It's like, mm-mm, okay. And then there was another guy called Mouse. He was a, Mouse. an environmental artist. Went round Brighton picking up rubbish, bringing it back into his flat and constructing it in his room. And it's like, these people are fucking crazy. <laughs> and there was one big pot of lentils that just kind of kept being added to, which was the the food supply. And then every Friday night, the lesbians would come up with their saucepans and frying pans and we'd all sing a cappello Simon and Garfunkel while they'd be banging on their pots and pans. And it was just like, what am I doing here? Um, And I looked around and I thought, if you actually don't do something, this is going to be you in 10 years' time. You're going to be the person stoking the lentil pot and banging out um, homeward bound on a fucking saucepan. (laughs) Sticking carrier bags to um, the wall. I signed up because it was one of the Thatcher, the bitch, was in power. Um, But you could still get housing benefits. So I was on housing benefit and I was on supplementary benefit and I was free education. So I, I was like a pig in shit. I was in Brighton. I was shagging. Um, I was at night school doing my A-levels because I'd kind of got expelled from school because I had a Mohican and I'd got called in and the headmaster said, you need to stop that. I said, stop what? He said, that thing on your head. I said, it, it's, it's hair. It's called hair. He said, we don't want, we don't have that in my kind of school. So I said, well, I thought as an educator, you'd be more interested what's going on inside my head rather than what's on my head. Um, And I'm not changing it. And your school is shit and you can fuck off. So they kind of said, we parted ways, not all that amicably. Um, I think they called it getting expelled. Yes, it probably, that's probably the, the term, isn't it? And that was in Grims- so that's back of, in Grimsby. That was back in Grimsby. Grimsby so I didn't have a qualification to my name. Wow. So I decided that I would do everything at night school, um, which was much more to my liking. And I got the qualifications that I needed. Not great grades, because I was stoned the majority of the time. Um <laughs> In fact, I can remember I went into my A-level drama exam and I'd forgot the name of the play because I was I was stoned. Um, and so I wrote down, I'm going to write... The main character in the play has got a hump on his back and a disabled hand and a disabled leg. Um um that's that's the main character in the play um i've kind of forgotten the name of the play but that's the main character that i'm going to talk about is richard the <laughs> third not quasimodo then it was like oh shit um so i ended up fuck knows how i ended up with two e's because my other a-level was art now i can't draw to save my life you know what i mean it was I only went in because it was it was life models and there was all these gorgeous men and you get to draw their willies and things and it was like, well, this looks like fun. But I can't draw. But so fuck knows how I ever got an A-level in art, but I did. Well, an E, um, it's, it is, it's, you know. And I got two E's. It's not a quality so A-level. Course, 
<laughs> my my aspirations then were to go to drama school. Right. So I thought I'm going to be an actor. So off I applied to go to drama school. Um, and of course, everybody that went to drama school was all quite posh. Mm. And, you know, there was me with my Grimsby accent. And... And is that, I, remember, for, uh, I don't know the green, is it very similar to the Hull accent? Because I know that one quite yeah, well. Having very, lived there. Yeah, very similar. So you've, yeah. you've, you've managed to get rid of that well then, love. Yeah. You don't make fern curls I, anymore. I thought I'd do Puck. I thought I'd look like Puck. Mm. So I'll I do, thought I was enamoured of an ass. He, well, um, I was many times. <laughs> um, so I, I, I got this little performance worked out which started with the roly-poly because i thought puck is energetic and lively and sprightly so i'll start it with the roly-poly so i go to my first audition and i think i was that fucking high on adrenaline i went and did my roly-poly well my roly-poly was more like a triple somersault and i came down oh, an actual roly-poly i thought you were dressed yeah, as mo my head mo from the, the roly-polies you know the no the the actual roly-poly. oh an actual forward roly-poly, then stand up and Ta-da. deliver my first life but i was that high on adrenaline it was like i did a triple somersault came down on my head concussed myself and i had to carry me off the stage and it's like oh, oh. so I kind of realised maybe drama school was not the place for me to be because everyone was quite posh and they all seemed to know what they were doing and I didn't really understand what the fucking L Shakespeare was about anyway. So I was just saying the lines and going along with it. And then, you know, my contemporary piece, because you had to have a Shakespeare and a contemporary oh, okay. piece. So my contemporary piece was from Gay Sweatshop. <laughs> which which talked about getting fucked up the arse in the bushes on Hampstead Heath, which I thought was quite, you know, provocative and would make people pay attention. Obviously, they didn't, but they were not impressed. Mm. Um, so I just got a series of rejections. So I, then I ended up, I thought, oh, I'll try university instead, it might be easier. And so then I ended up doing drama um, and English at university. With two E's, um, what university was that let you in? Leicester. Oh, uh, okay. I think they were fucking desperate. Um, that year, I think there can't have been many people applying. <laughs> you got no, um, you got no Ucker points at that point, did you? It was. I mean, I don't know how I got in. I literally. I mean, I I just blathered my way in um, with this kind of strange audition thing that we had to do, and I just. I thought, this is my last chance. If I don't get in here, then I'm stuck in fucking Brighton with Mouse and Skyron, the the fucking poet, and the lesbians and the pot of lentils. It's like I've got to get in here. So Um, actually, you took it seriously then for a change? Well, I tried to take it seriously. (laughs) Um, I went in with my little Lenin cap, and, you know, I looked the part. Mm, It's all about character and costume, so I looked the part and I lied through my fucking teeth saying that I'd been in this production and that production and blah blah because there was no internet so no one could verify it yeah they won't fucking know (laughs) they they could say anything um and I got in this is the romp podcast so they ended up in kind of in Leicester you know I thought there'd be lots of gay men doing drama I was the only one no um 
Well, I wasn't the only one, as it turned out, uh, but I was the only one that was prepared to be out. Yes. Um, but that was the whole idea, wasn't it? Going to university was the chance to invent yourself as somebody new and being yeah, out. Yeah, well, when was I arrived, there was no gay society. Ooh. So it was like I was the only gay in, in the, the university. So I started the gay society. And at that point, there was that thing on Channel 4 that had, you know, explicit content. With oh, the Red, the red triangle. triangle. Oh, I love so the Red I Triangle. So I decided, I decided, being the radical homosexual that I was, that I would customise my denim jacket and I would do a pink triangle mm. and I would write the words never again, i.e. referencing the Holocaust. So mm. I put this... I did, it took me all fucking day to fucking bleach the jacket and then put the dye on and la da 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 So then I started wearing it around the university. And I'd got my friend to come round, because I'd had hair then, to, I said, I want my hair kind of bleached, but, you know, just, I don't know what the fuck he did. He was a trainee hairdresser. I ended up with apricot hair. So I looked like, I looked, my I look like an apricot. Instead of being peroxide white, it was apricot. He said, I've got some of this coloured gel. What this coloured gel in? Well, the coloured gel then had spikes, so I look like a fucking conker. <laughs> so I'm walking around the university with this ridiculous hairstyle in this jacket. And one of the girls that I live with came up to me. She said, um, I hope you don't mind me asking. But she said, people are coming up to me and asking me about you. I said, uh-huh. what are they saying? They're saying, what does that jacket, what's on your jacket? Uh-huh. I said, it's the Holocaust. It's the Holocaust. It's a statement against the thousands of homosexuals that were murdered in the gas oven. She said, I think you've got it upside down because people think it never again you'll watch Channel 4. <laughs> And I had, I'd got, I'd got the triangle I did think down. when you drew it on the screen, I was like, that is upside down. It's <laughs> kind of like, well, but, I didn't fucking know. I just thought that it was, was a triangle. The, that little triangle in the corner yeah. was that way up, wasn't it? And it was a red one, wasn't it? And I... I was mortified. Yeah. I was, I've been walking, <laughs> I've been proudly walking around university declaring my homosexuality and people were thinking I was saying I wasn't going to watch Channel 4. Oh, like right, it's, it's like mm. so that was kind of that was kind of interesting because at that point there wasn't grinder or no. anything, and I was looking around. I was looking at all the rugby boys, mm-hmm. thinking, "Hello, why aren't one of you? You what? You know?" And I thought, well, I don't want to join the rugby club. I don't want to do any exercise, but. You know, I used to have this, there was this boy, there was this gorgeous boy, and I used to, you know, I felt, fell madly, deeply in love with. Not my usual type, and I used to walk all the way around the university just to follow him, just to see him, um, oh. a chance to dream, to imagine the sexual liaison that never, ever fucking happened. So I took to answering ads in Gay Times. Ah, in the Gay Times. That's all that was there. We didn't have anything else. Did you not have a local paper? Because that's what I did. It was like the local, the Wilmslow Express advertiser had a very small section in the back. No, no. But the Gay Times had loads. 
things I used so to do. I've arranged this date. Which took, which took some I, doing, didn't it? It's like you had to write off to it. You had to wait two weeks for it to yeah. come back. All that kind of thing. So this date eventually turned up. And Rob, who lived next door to me, who turned out was also a screaming queen, but was in the fucking closet mm. and hadn't come out because he just, he just was too scared. Well, it was, the only reason it was what, late 80s now? Yeah, late 80s. So you're, well, you're five and years I, ahead of me, so you, I bet you probably won't be able to. Yeah, so about 87, 86, 87. 87. And I'd left him ones. with my stash of gay porn one summer, and he said he was wanking himself silly, and then he realised that he liked boys as well. It's oh. like, well, I could have told you that three <laughs> fucking years ago. Um so Rob's in the next bed sit to me, and this guy comes and knock on the door, which was my date, my blind date that had arranged. Of course, we had no idea what we looked like. Yeah. I opened the door and it was like, holy motherfucker. This guy had ginger hair all the way around the out with nothing on. He was <sighs> bald, but he had a ring. He had a ring of ginger nice. with a lime green shirt and he was about 48 and it was like, oh. <laughs> and of course one couldn't say fuck no, off. No, you didn't like straight to. Straight away, one had to be polite and invite him in for a cup of tea. So I said, oh, do you go into the bed, sit and sit down and make yourself comfortable. I'll I'll just go and put the kettle on. I'm banging on Rob's door saying, get the fucking self in my room now. Get out. I need help. So Rob came in in his dressing gown. And then what this guy was thinking. So we had the cup of tea. And then he kept trying to steer the conversation oh into that direction and i was thinking not Steering on back your again. Fucking life i've known this is never gonna happen um so i was trying to steer it in another direction i.e the politics direction oh. he then confessed he was a fan a fan of margaret thatcher as i said and i said that i thought i thought Oh, hallelujah. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm going to have to ask you to leave now. I said, I'm I'm a radical left-wing Marxist. I couldn't possibly entertain the idea of having sexual relations with anybody who admires Margaret Thatcher. Could you please leave my bedsit? I thought, I'm never again. I'm never, ever, 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 ever again going to fucking go to one of those adverts. I'd rather be celibate. The mad, aren't they? Then <laughs> I discovered I just because I was I had I was in the attic room. I yes. was discovered that and it was only purely by coincidence that I noticed this one night as I was doing studious work and I looked up to see a young man getting a blowjob from another young man in the window opposite. Oh and that's what I thought. I thought, oh, so I, sh- I moved the desk out the way and got on my knees because I didn't want to be seen looking at them. And I was peeping, peeping over the window. And I thought, this is, well, every night they were at it. No. Every night they were fucking. So every night I was peeping into their window. Um, 
And then it was clause 28. Well, mm-hmm. it turned out the house that was opposite me was an anarchist house. And we had this meeting. So I got to meet these two people that were having sexual relations and they didn't know that I was watching them having sexual relations, which is a bit pervy now when you think about it, but I was desperate. There was was either the ginger Tory man or me watching these two people. Um, So what happened then? Then I left university and I went off to live in Sheffield. We've kind of jumped a while. So how long were you in Leicester then? Like the standard three three years stuff? Because and you, then I, you've then discovered academia, really, didn't you? You've, you know, you. No, actually, I failed everything in oh, the first year. <laughs> I was stoned. Again, you're still stoned. I was stoned, and I'd. I remember walking down. I'd started off doing music because I thought well, that sounds quite nice, and this old bag used to kind of she scared the wits out of me. So after three weeks, I thought I can't be doing with this. What I'll music? Switch up. A particular instrument or just music generally? The piano. The piano. Oh, nice, yeah, yeah. But she was a right old cow, and I thought, I don't like you, and I don't like the music teacher, so I'll do art. Right. But I never turned up. I oh. just used to sit and get stoned in the park. And I remember walking down the corridor, and the art lecturer was coming, and it was like fucking John Wayne and the other, because there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to hide. There was nowhere to run to. And he was getting closer and closer and closer, and it's like... What do I do? What do I do? And I thought I could start singing. Um, anyway, I got the biggest fucking dressing down ever. So the my first year, I had to sit every fucking exam again because I I was stoned and I'd failed. And I thought, I'm not doing this again. Um, so I graduated with, I think I got a 2-1. Um, which right. made me eligible for a scholarship to go and do an MA at Sheffield. Right. So I ended up in Sheffield in this bedsit. Wow. And Jean, my friend from Hackney, who had now rebranded herself as a lesbian filmmaker, uh, decided to come up and stay with me. And we were playing in the graveyard, pouring tomato sauce. <laughs> and tea over each other, pretending it was wee-wee and blood. Um, make you were, so you were making films at the time, weren't you, doing it? Yeah. Well, it was one of her lesbian yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. She was influenced by Kathy Acker and all that weird shit. So I was on a graveyard having cold tea poured over my head, pretending it was wee-wee and it was a golden shower. Um, if she's making lesbian the- films, what are you doing there? I don't, don't ask me. I didn't ask any questions. It was just like I went along with anything. Um, it was I was in a film. In a film, darling. I always wanted to be an actor. I was in a, it was a film. Little did I realise it would be watched by three whiskery old lesbians in some basement in fucking Hackney in about six months' time. Uh, but I thought it was fabulous. Um, so there was the gay gay disco at Sheffield. And so I said to Jean, let's go. And is this um, is this the university rather than what what will have been the poly at the time? This was the university. <clears throat> yeah. So we went to the gay yeah. disco and there was, you know, fucking around, getting drunk, taking drugs and whatever. And there was this guy there with a shaved head, all in white denim. And I thought, you are lovely. You're lovely, lovely, lovely. I like you. So... 
I went up and started dancing with it. And you know, when you kind of get the vibe and he yes. was dancing back and I was dancing with him and, but I was too shy to make yeah, the yeah. first move. Yeah. So I went back to Gene and I said, Gene, what should I do? So Gene said, I'll go and, 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 and he disappeared. Anyway, we were driving back in, in a friend's car, Claire, the lesbian, the Jewish lesbian um, car. And there we saw him and he was walking down the street with some of his friends. So what does Claire, the Jewish lesbian, do? She slows down. So it's like we're kind of stalking him along the Sheffield Street. Well, he thought and his friends thought that they were about to get queer bashed. Um, And all this kind of, you know, came to a head when they got to their door and we stopped the car and they said, what the fuck do you want? And they were from, where were they from? Somewhere in Essex. Begins with B. That's Basildon. 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 That's right. What, you know, and I can't do a Basildon accent, but it was, you know, what the fuck do you want? And Jean, my friend, said, my friend likes your friend. And before we knew it, we was in their room and it's about three o'clock in the morning with me and Andy just kind of giving each other, you know, desirous looks. Um, And then next week, I think, was it Halloween? And there was a Halloween party and we got invited separately. We didn't know know which one was going to the Halloween party. And we're there by, or is it bonfire night? I think it was bonfire. No, it was bonfire night because it was a bonfire. And we're standing by the bonfire and all of a sudden his hand slips into my hand. And I slip my hand into his hand. And then we slip our tongues into each other's mouths and we're snogging by the fire and everyone's hanging out the window going, oh, oh, look at Andy and Mark, look at Andy and Mark. Uh, So it became a bit of a spectacle. So I said, I think we better go. Because my my bedsit was just round the corner. So I said, I said, it's easier if we just come to my bedsit. So we got to my bedsit and all our clothes fell off. And all of a sudden I found myself rimming him. Um, and it was kind of like, this is lovely. This is quite lovely. And so he then decided to move out the university accommodation because there was a spare bedsit going in the house that I was living. So he took that, but actually we just lived together in my bedsit. Um, and he was a first year sociology student and I was doing this masters in theatre and film. And, you know, he said, let's, let's buy a house together and let's do this together and let's do that together. And I'm kind of thinking, um, well, I was thinking of going to Japan actually. Um, Because now that I finished my masters of theater and film, um, I'm on the dole and I'm not doing anything. And um I'd come to the conclusion, well, I'd come to the realisation that while Andy was lovely because he had a shaved head and he had that skinhead, you know, I'm as rough as fuck, mm. he was in reality a screaming bottom. <laughs> and <clears throat> that's not what you wanted, right? Of, you know, two screaming <laughs> bottoms together is a recipe for disaster. It's not good, is it? No. It it didn't kind of, you know, Gel. it wasn't. 
it wasn't working. So oh. I thought the best thing I. And could what kind do... of period is that? Well, how long is this over that you were? You were that together? was in the nineties. That was nineteen ninety. But well, how long were you two together? Lasted for about six months. Right. Okay. It's only so long. You and he already wanted to buy a house at six months. Oh, he was very keen. I mean, he wanted, you know, he wanted the whole thing. And I was kind of, at that point, because I'd kind of left university, I'd done the MA, and my life was, I was like flotsam and jetsam. So I decided to get into Buddhism. And I joined the local Namyaho Rangye Kyo group, of which there was Why? the most absolutely Why gorgeous. did you decide to get into Buddhism? Because someone told me that if you chanted Namyoho Renge Kyo, you could get things. At that point, I was that fucking worked. desperate, so I'd do anything. <laughs> so I decided, you know, if I go and chant Namyoho Renge Kyo for half an hour and I can get things, then what? Um, look, I'd give everything, anything a go. So I joined the Sheffield group of Nichiren Shoshu Buddhism, and there was a gorgeous Hungarian man. There, absolutely Hungarian, hun, no, gorgeous <laughs> Hungarian, who turned out to be a prostitute. No, he was a rent boy. <gasps> and I was in saying, Sheffield. Well, Hamlet, yeah, you and he used to live lead, just down, down the corner, not round, down the hill in the big council flats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, Well, how much do you charge? I mean, bearing that on not that point, I was on supplementary benefits still and. I couldn't really afford that much, and Andy was a bottom, so I wasn't getting anything. And he said, "No, no." I said, "I don't, I don't do this with people in the Namiho Renge Kyo group." I thought, "Fucking typical, fucking, fucking typical." So I am chanting for six months, <laughs> and I'm chanting to get a shag, saying <laughs> "Namiho Renge Kyo, Namiho Renge Kyo, Namiho Renge," and I'm thinking, "Let me be penetrated, let me be penetrated, let me be penetrated." By a big thick cock, because uh, it hadn't happened for the longest time since Chris. Really, everything that I'd encountered had been diminutive, and it was like, hmm, such sides. So I thought, you know what I'll do in typical Vickers fashion. I thought I'll go and live in Japan. I'll but go then, and live in Japan. Let me just do a kind of a, a thing about a, a stereotype of people of Japanese Chinese heritage, not generally known for being well hung. Yeah, but I just thought I'll go in. I'll. I'll obviously, this phase of my life is about spirituality. Oh, so, so I will go person. and live in Japan and learn more about Buddhism right. and become deeply spiritual. So I knew nothing about fucking Japan. All I knew that it was in Asia. So I tip up in January in a T-shirt and a denim jacket. Well, it's as cold as a witch's tip. And did you sort it It out? It snows in Japan. What did you do ahead of of going? Again, no internet, no nothing. You could buy a book, I suppose. How did you know No, what I'd done is I'd signed up for this (laughs) local temple course. Right. Because I thought you need a qualification. So I'd signed up for that. And... Part of the TEFL course is that you had to learn a foreign language. Well, I was shit at languages. And this particular language was Norwegian. So we had this kind of rather plump lady come in every lesson and do a bit of Norwegian, you know, and blah, 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 
I thought, I don't, I don't understand a word you're saying. So I sat at the back and just used to open my mouth and make sounds like the Swedish chef off mm. the Muppets, like... <laughs> I didn't realise, because I hadn't read the syllabus, that at the one of the exams to get this fucking qualification was to have a conversation with this plump lady in Norwegian. So I, I'm thinking, fuck. So I'm desperately trying to cram all the Norwegian in about one night before I go in for my Norwegian-y thingy oh, with her. And she starts off, Vorten harder, back bra tack. So I go, Vorten harder, back bra tack. Bra tack, harden, Vorten, harden, Boden, Dieben, Boden, da. Die Duden, da, die Horten, Warten, Bieben, Boden, wa. And she's looking at me. And I'm going, Vorten harder, Daten, 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 da. She said, Stop it. I said, What? She said, she said, you're just talking nonsense. I said, no, I'm talking Norwegian. She said, no. She said, you're just going, vordy, 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 vordy. I said, well, it's very difficult to learn Norwegian. I'm not a natural linguist. Mm. I said, but I've learned so much from you. I've learned so much of how... Difficult it must be for someone who's not a native speaker to learn a language. So your pedagogy really is rather quite wonderful. And even though I can't speak Norwegian, I've learned so, so much. Fucking, fucking, fucking bicker's bullshit again. Saying, anyway, she, we're back she to passed, the rimming again, aren't we? There. So she, I end up. She in passed town. you. You couldn't speak two bloody words, and she passed you. Well, I mean, who the fuck's going to speak? <laughs> no, no one speaks Norwegian unless no. you're in Norway. It was a stupid language to learn. They could have done French or something. Mm. Um, so then I arrive. So I'm in Japan, and I've, I arrive at Narita, and all I've been given was this list of directions to get into Tokyo. I'm thinking I'm freezing. It's fucking snowing. Which train do I catch? And I arrive. I eventually get this train which takes me into Tokyo. And then I've got to meet this woman at a station by the Big Buddha. And I'm there and I'm frozen. And this woman comes up to me and she says, follow me. In, well, not, not quite like that, but, you know, follow, follow me, follow me in Japanese. Um so I start following her, and I've got two great big suitcases. Gay men don't travel light. She's like a little whippet going down all the fucking alleyways. I'm like, hang on, love. Can't keep up with you. And she said, eventually we get to this little wooden house thing. And she said, this is your apartment. Well, we go in. It was like a corridor. There was a six-mat tatami. And a, there was no kitchen. It was just like a one of those little toaster ovens and a little squatty toilet thing in a cupboard. God. And I thought, oh my God, what have you gone and done? And she said, here is your introduction pamphlet. Tomorrow you'll come to Fujisawa and we go through blah, 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 blah. And she fucked off. And she said, if you're hungry, 7-Eleven, end of the street. So I was, I was fucking starving. I hadn't eaten since the plane. So I go down to 7-Eleven and buy what I think is a lump of cheese and some bread and tomatoes. 
and go back to my little six-room, six-mat tatami, where there's a little paraffin heater, which I was trying to get working, unrolled my um, futon. I thought, well, I'll make myself a cheese and tomato sandwich. So that's the end of part one. We will leave Mark uh, in Japan for his first night um, with his cheese, in inverted commas, and tomato sandwich. And we'll catch up with him in the next episode as he tells us about his life in Japan. And eventually he will move on to Thailand. Uh, Following that, we'll be back in Grimsby and Cleethorpes, Sheffield, and then Australia. So that's more to come in episode... Will that be 6B? Will that be episode 7? I don't know. But thank you for making it this far. I hope you enjoyed it. And you can see why I didn't edit it all down to uh, just a few minutes. And of course, if you think, oh, yes, actually, I've got a tale to tell. And I'd quite like to tell my tale about gay dating in a, a time before the internet, as you can hear from Mark. There's quite a lot of stories to tell in some cases. You can email me at show at rompcast.com. And if you go to rompcast.com, all of the uh, links to social medias and email addresses and uh, WhatsApp links and everything are on there as well. So do have a little look, get in touch and we can have a little chat. So the next episode will be along shortly. Mm-hmm.